the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pat Vitucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, Pat Fatucci, with over 30 years experience in the world of finance and investment planning, with special emphasis on retirement planning. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. Welcome once again to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget, the program that each and every week helps you keep your finger on the pulse of your money from Wall Street to Main Street to your wallet. Our host, author and industry veteran, Pat Vitucci, and I'm Craig Roberts. My very special guest today, Ron Blue, author of 16 books on personal finance, including his bestseller, Mastering Your Money, and his most recent book, Splitting Heirs. Ron, welcome to the show. Delighted to be here, Pat. Thank you for asking me. Ron, your recent book, Splitting Heirs, and it's H-E-I-R-S, is giving your money and things to your children without ruining their lives. Wow, how telling is that? Mom and dad's best intentions of giving kids money, and it just ruins their life. Uh, unfortunately, that's all too common a story. And you know, one of our principles in the books is that if you transfer uh, wealth without wisdom, you're almost guaranteed to destroy the child. Whereas if you transfer wisdom, wisdom can create wealth, but wealth rarely creates wisdom. So there's a paradox there. And unfortunately, uh, we see it way too often. Ron, in your book, you mentioned there's $41 trillion, trillion with a T, will pass to the next generation in the next 50 years, and yet this is not any topic on the 6 o'clock news that I've ever seen. No, and as a matter of fact, Pat, it's uh, estimated that number could be as high as $135 trillion. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of zeros. <laughs> when we're in the process of that right now, uh, the boomer generation transferring uh, their wealth, we know right now today in America there's $41 trillion worth of wealth. So that amount will be transferred to the next generation as these generations die off. And over time, that $41 trillion can uh, double and triple. So a so, lot of money going to the next generation. What are some of the components in this book that make this different from a regular, just an estate planning book for the super rich? Everybody's looking to reduce estate taxes. What are some of the things you cover in this book? Well, I think that the big difference between this and an estate planning book would be that it begins with the assumption that wealth transfer 
can begin right now, and it considers as its first priority the impact on the beneficiaries, whereas estate planning is typically deals with what happens at death and after death, and it's really more focused on the donor as opposed to the beneficiary in terms of them passing their wealth. What I found is that the consequence to the beneficiaries, my children, grandchildren, or charitable organizations, can be really devastating without some pre-thought given to the consequences. So it's a different paradigm. It starts with the paradigm of thinking, if I transfer this wealth to, you name the beneficiary, what's its impact going to be on them? That's a different paradigm to begin with. The whole tools and techniques that estate planning employs are legitimate, but they're about five decisions down in terms of the process. There are so many references to money, uh, more than probably any other topic. It's not the love of money, it's the love of what the utility of money can provide in terms of charities or doing good. Mr. Gates is probably our poster child for doing the right thing with his wealth and helping those less fortunate. This book really talks about the utility of the money beyond. It's not just a how to avoid tax issue. It's really what happens when your child receives that big chunk of money. Does it demotivate he or she to now sit back or sit on the beach in Hawaii? This is something that I not only wrote the book, but I've personally been through it and practiced it. And uh, Judy and I, my wife and I, we have five children that we've raised. We now have 11 grandchildren. And we began this wealth transfer discussion by asking ourselves the question, if we give, and we named the child, if we give this child, pick the number, you know, a million dollars, half a million dollars, hundred thousand dollars, whatever number it is, what is the worst thing that can happen to them if in fact we do that? And then we ask a second question, well, how serious is that? consequence. And third is what's the probability of it occurring. So if I take my own family, uh, Pat, as an illustration, I've got my oldest daughter is married to an entrepreneur. My second daughter is married to a banker. My uh, third daughter uh, went through a divorce and has just been remarried. Uh, then our fourth child is a son who's in who's a school teacher. And our fifth is a son who's a, an attorney. Well, when you ask the question, what's the worst thing that can happen? I get five different answers with the five children that I've got. For For example, I think one of the most telling is that my uh, second daughter married a guy that grew up very poor in Alabama. She met him in college, and he has an intense need to provide for his family. That's just an intrinsic value that he grew up with and gone to college, paid for his own way through college, uh, and he's done very well professionally. If we had left a number of years ago, a significant sum of money to that daughter, it would have had a tremendous impact on her relationship with her husband. Well, how serious is that? That's a really serious consequence. When you say serious issue, are you speaking uh, negative? Very negative. It would have taken away his ability to provide for his family because they wouldn't have needed the money anymore. And he had an intense need to provide for his family. You would kill his drive. Kill his drive. So that's really serious. And then we ask ourselves the question, how likely is that to occur? And here's an interesting thing about the whole process, if you will. If I'd have answered that question for that daughter 10 years ago, I would have said it was about 100% probability because they had they were just starting their family. They were just getting going. They were buying their first home. Well, 10 years later, this young guy has now made it in terms of becoming successful in the banking business. And today, the likelihood of that occurring is different than what it would have been 10 years ago. And I suspect 10 years from now, it'll be even different. And the point being, as you know, that state planning, wealth transfer planning is an ongoing process really that never ends. 
because the answers to your questions change over time, too. And so does that suggest your living trust or will, whichever you have, really needs to be evaluated based on your children's lives changing and their perspective on inheritances change? And as your grandchildren numbers grow, that really needs a reevaluation, if you will. Absolutely does, because I would never counsel, and I did not with my own planning, would never have disinherited, if you will, a, a young child because you don't know what their needs might be. But now as my kids reach adulthood, they are adults, their needs have changed. And frankly, they're all doing well enough that we can give most of our estate to charitable organizations. And over time, when we see how these 11 kids develop, grandkids develop, we may change our thinking on, on it also. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to ruin my grandkids either. So we've got this longevity issue of we're all living longer. Does that change inheritance planning? Absolutely it does, because the circumstances change. I'm 65 now, and assuming that I, I live for another 20 years, which I'm in great health, vocationally I am really uh, having a best time of my life. If I live another 20 years, you know, my oldest daughter will be 60 and my oldest grandchild will be 33. Well, that circumstance is a lot different than where I am today. So I I need to be rethinking this on an annual basis at the very least. And there's a 92% probability you or Judy, your wife, will live to age 92. One of the principles in the book is to do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. I like that. Point being that if you're going to transfer wealth, it's better to be, it's really better to do it while you're living than at death because you can see the consequence of it and your heirs and beneficiaries and charitable organizations have a greater opportunity to use that you really don't need anymore. Ron, this is a great title, Splitting Heirs, H-E-I-R-S, and we're really talking about how to provide to our children without ruining their lives. What are your feelings about giving equally to each heir? Is there some formula or the one child is not a good money manager? Do you leave more to that one or less to that one? (laughs) I think, first of all, you have to believe the last decision that I get to make is who's the next steward. If I think of it that way, it frees me up to also think about those that are going to inherit it. And there's a principle in the book, Pat, that we found raising five children, that if we love our children equally, we will treat them uniquely. And by that, I mean, my kids have different personalities, they have different needs. And as they were raised, that was obvious. And today, as adults, their needs are significantly different from one another. For example, when my third daughter went through a divorce about five or six years ago, and she was a single mom, she her needs were tremendously different from her two older sisters who were both married to, to guys that were doing pretty well financially. And so Judy and I said... And and now we're we're talking about wealth transfer. We're not talking about estate planning. And so we felt like we wanted to help that daughter uh, through some really tough, tough times. And we did. And communicated to our other children that because we loved them just as much as we loved uh, the daughter going through the divorce, that if they ever fell into had a problem, we'd, of course, help them. But we did not feel like because we helped our third daughter that we had any obligation to do the same for them. And we had a child who had a need that we treated uniquely because we loved every one of them equally. So that's kind of how it works itself out. And it also works itself out in terms of using the resources now as opposed to leaving it all at death. She needed the help right then. And so we 
that's the principle behind it. So I admire your children. In many families that, that I've counseled where situations like that come up around, as you well know, it could get pretty ugly in that, wait a minute, you love this one more than that one, more than me. Now you owe me some of that because you gave it to this child. And you can get into some really uh, awkward positions unless you just take that firm position and say, look, this child needs this right now. And if you should need something. Well, I think that the way that our kids handled that, you know, began with our training them when they were young. Sure. Uh, with that. And fortunately, that this principle of loving them equally and as a consequence, treating them uniquely, that's not new. We didn't make that up. But now I will say this, we continue to communicate it to them. And we have a family conference about once a year with all of the kids and their spouses. uh, And we talk about our philosophy on money and principles on money so that they're not, I don't want them to be surprised when the will's read. Some folks are so focused on specificity in the living trust that they could be accused of managing their children's lives from the grave by doling out money at times when certain milestones are reached. And so there's this criticism I've heard from children who inherit money that I'm still putting up with mom or dad's philosophy from the grave because they've stipulated through a trust or through some other fiduciary that these milestones have to be hit in order for me to be released X more dollars. What is your thinking along those lines? Number one, I think that the attempt to control wealth beyond the grave is foolish. Number one, it's really, really difficult to do that. You can build all these trusts and requirements and so forth, but over time, that's all going to disappear. I don't think that you're going to really care about that. And I think that if you can't trust your children and you're trying to control their decisions, then you shouldn't be leaving wealth to them at all. You're probably going to mess them up if you're that concerned about it. I really advise it. I say basically when you're doing gifting, if it's to a charity or to your children, while you're alive or at death, do it with no strings attached. I will say this, that I've counseled many people, and Judy and I just redid our wills, and uh, our kids are now adults, so they could get the money in the event of our death now. But if one of them dies, what we've said for our grandkids is we want to disperse not under set conditions, but at certain ages. Ron, there's a wonderful tool called the Charitable Remainder Trust, where you actually have the opportunity to give away your money during your lifetime and watch your blessings work for you right in front of you instead of waiting until you're long gone and then giving money away to a charitable groups. Talk to listeners a little bit about that whole idea. Well, the whole idea of the Charitable Remainder Trust is that that may be an asset that is that you need to live out the rest of your life in terms of the income off of it. But at death, you don't need it anymore, and you've chosen that a charity is going to get it. And so you can put some wealth into a charitable remainder trust, and the charity gets whatever is left, and you get a tax deduction for uh, that's based upon a formula immediately. I can get a tax deduction. I can give it away, but I can still have it, if you will, in terms of the income off of it over the rest of my life. But charity ends up with it at some point. It's a great, great tool. It's kind of having your cake and eating it, too. It really is. You get the deduction. You get the use of the money. But charity ends up ultimately with the money. Great, great tool. Here's the $64,000 question. How much is enough? How much money will you need the rest of your life? Well, I tell you, it's a function, first of all, of lifestyle. And how much is enough is a lot less if you've got a lesser lifestyle than if you've got a really consumptive lifestyle. So it begins with how much is enough in terms of the lifestyle that I've chosen. And once I know the answer to that question, then I can mathematically figure out how much is enough. 
I can use somebody as a financial advisor to run the calculations to say, if my life expectancy is 92, how much money am I going to need? Mathematically, you can calculate it. My uh, friend Bob Buford wrote a book called Halftime. He and I talked about this. He said, I figured out how much I'd need to live out the rest of my life. I doubled it and I gave everything else away. I said, you know what? That works. I think people would give a lot more away if they had established a finish line on both their lifestyle and their accumulation. They would have a lot more to give away. You know, what throws the monkey wrench into soon-to-be retirees with all the boomers coming of age is the fact that the Social Security system is weak. The uh, pension systems are going away. Healthcare costs are rising, and it's more incumbent upon new retirees to handle those themselves. A lot more decisions, a lot more reserve, if you will, needs to be set aside compared to perhaps our parents. Their lifestyles were more modest because they were more prudent with the dollar. They had pensions, and Social Security represents a larger percentage of their current income. And so a lot more questions for this whole new group of retirees. Tyree's coming up. Uh, unfortunately, that's all too common a story, and there's a paradox there, and unfortunately, uh, we see it way too often. My special guest today, Ron Blue, an author of 16 books on personal finance. Please let me emphasize that tax and legal professionals are not a part of staff, but we refer to professionals versed in those disciplines. Any questions, Triple Eight Plan Wise, that's 888 or don't invest and forget.com. That's don't invest and forget.com. Pat Matucci says, Don't invest and forget. Don't invest and forget. Don't invest and forget. With me in studio today is Lucas DeWitt. Lucas is a financial advisor with Proxy. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Lucas, we're in some pretty uncertain times. We've got lots of things going on in our country and certainly around the world. We've got political issues in Washington, D.C. We've got the Ukraine war. You create financial plans for your clients, your prospects. Talk to our listeners about how you frame that, given the almost chaos we're seeing in the world markets. Right, right. And that's an excellent point. We've got a lot of things going on in the world. Some of these things are just simply out of our control, right? So we have to focus on what we can control. When we're developing financial plans, there's some key factors that individuals or business owners should consider when creating a comprehensive financial plan. And I would say the first thing is you should define your goals. What are your goals and how do you plan on reaching them, right? Start by defining your goals, the short and the long term. Some of these goals may include retirement, purchasing a home, children's education. They could be anything, really. But we need to first establish the goal. And once the goal is established, we can then determine how best to reach that goal. Lucas, I think that's a really good point. And I've always said, write your goals down. If you don't write them down, it kind of escapes in thin air. How important is it to document what you want to do, and then revisit that commitment three, six, nine, 12 months later. I've always said, if you don't write it down, it just doesn't happen. That's absolutely true. You know, what gets measured gets accomplished. And if you write down your goals, you may be able to highlight some aspects that you may be missing or didn't account for. And you may find some gaps in your plan. So this comes down to budgeting as well, like creating a detailed budget that outlines your monthly expenses will not only show you how much money you spend on day-to-day activities, but it may also highlight areas that you can cut back on some spending. Once the budget is established and you know how much money you have left over each month, it makes it much easier to figure out how much money you can put towards savings and investments and cater to your financial plan overall. 
you know, because it's always sexy to talk about the stock market and investments. It's pretty exciting to watch the Dow Jones and NASDAQ. What we don't talk about a lot is the debt side of the ledger. Managing debt is a key issue, and it's that interest rate issue that can erode the growth of any portfolio, given the fact that we've got rates at some all-time high. I mean, mortgage rates are in the 7.5% range, somebody even predicting going 8%. How much time do you spend talking to your clients about the debt side of the ledger? Well, that is extremely important. If you over-leverage yourself, you could quickly find yourself in a situation where that debt becomes unmanageable. It can be difficult to understand that some people are operating on fixed income and you may have to rely on those credit cards or other forms of debt, but you should really try to keep it at least below 30% um, as far as credit card debt utilization. There's also a couple of tips or tricks where if you can't pay off that credit card debt right away, perhaps you could take out a personal loan. Yeah, you'll have to pay back the loan. Yes, you're going to be paying interest on it. But as long as the interest is lower than the credit card interest, it'll at least save you some money. Um, another, another thing you can do is call the credit card balance rollover. Some credit card companies offer you a period of time where they charge you a 0% APR and they allow you to roll the balance over from an existing card onto that new card. So it could save you a couple months of interest payments there. Also, um, if you have debt that you're struggling to get, get out from under and you have an insurance policy that allows you to take out loans against that policy, that may be another alternative to alleviate some interest payments. Usually, if you take out a loan against an insurance policy, it'll have a reasonably low interest rate. So you could use that to pay off some of that high interest rate debt. I saw recently a card interest rate 26%. I mean, years ago, that used to be called user rates. They would put you in jail for charging 26%. Now it's customary. Just can't get under that umbrella of risk because you just never catch up and you make the credit card companies just even more, more rich. Yeah, and the funny thing about that is a lot of those credit card companies, they actually offer high-yield savings accounts. And why are they able to offer you a high-yield savings account that gives you a 5% return on your money? It's because they're charging everyone else such a high interest rate that they can give that savings back to people who have money in their savings account. So you just got to, you can't over leverage yourself. You have to be financially responsible. And if you can't afford it, you know, perhaps now isn't the, the right time to be buying it, especially in a rising interest rate environment. Lucas, that four-letter word that no one wants to talk about, risk, R-I-S-K, it's something that you really have to formulate a philosophy around it and mitigating risk, knowing when to give that risk to an insurance company, whether it's through homeowner's policy, auto policy, a variable annuity where you let the insurance company take the risk of the downsides in the stock market. What level of mitigation of risk are you generally comfortable with? Um, well, I, I would say it depends on where you are in your investment time horizon, right? If, if you are nearing retirement, the closer you get to retirement, you should be slowly peeling back that unnecessary risk. If you're close to retirement and you only need a, to get a certain percentage return on your investments to reach that goal, whatever that goal is, maybe it's time to consider peeling back some risk and going into more conservative investments that will still help you reach that goal, but won't be as affected by volatility. I think that's a really good point. You know, we, we all are emotional, impulsive kind of people, and we want to get the latest toys. We want to keep up with our neighbors. You know, we want to keep up with the challenges. And sometimes we overreact. We buy that boat or that RV or that 
hot convertible that we absolutely have to have, but understanding that's going to influence our general financial plan. And that coupled with high tax brackets, if you live in a high tax bracket state, tax efficiency of your financial plan really can make a meaningful impact on the growth of that portfolio. Absolutely. If, if you're a high earner and you're in a high income tax state, you should really be trying to defer taxes as efficiently as possible. Um, if you have an advisor and an accountant, they should really be working together hand in hand to make sure each other's recommendations reduce that tax profile as efficiently as possible. A dollar saved is just as good as a dollar earned and keeping as much pocket as possible is key to helping you reach your financial goals. And you've got a whole collection of investment products that are designed around tax efficiency and not volunteering too much to your federal or state tax issue, don't you? Correct. I mean, I mean, there's the traditional routes. You can go with the traditional IRAs, 401ks. There are Roth options. Roth accounts are great if you believe that taxes will be higher when you retire or if you lived in a uh, low-income tax state and you're not really getting taxed too much off the top. Those would be a great alternative to the traditional investment vehicles. But if you are a high-income earner and you do live in a high-income tax state, you should really be trying to defer those taxes as much as possible. With me in studio today is Lucas DeWitt. Lucas is a financial advisor with Proxy. If you have any questions or you'd like a free consultation with Lucas, call one plan wise That's one 888 You know, the whole financial plan, Lucas, it really needs to be revisited on a regular basis because like in any road that we go down, there's always a detour. There's always obstacles. Rarely goes as planned. But to deviate and change your plan is really something that needs constant intervention. I'm sure you have an opportunity to talk with your clients on a regular basis to make changes based on what's going on in their life, also what's going on in the marketplace. So it's always two moving targets that you've got to kind of juxtapose next to each other and make adjustments. It's really important to always revisit where they are relative to their road to retirement. And, and looking at what's going on in their life, looking at the marketplace and adjusting based on inflation numbers, the Federal Reserve debt levels. Do they want to retire to Florida? Do they do they want to retire next week? Did they get downsized last week from their job? Those surprises in life happen and you've got to be there to kind of catch them and, and redirect them based on a whole new set of data. And maybe there is nothing that needs to be changed in their plan. Maybe they just need, a, you know, a guiding voice to tell them that they're on the right track and keep doing what they're doing. Some people just need a little bit reassurance to make sure they're, they're heading down the right path. So whatever the case may be, I'm here to not only help them with their finances, but also be kind of like a beacon of light to make sure that they're heading in the right direction. Holding their hand during difficult times, people sometimes panic. And they say, oh, my gosh, I, you know, the market didn't do well last week. I'm going to get out and go to cash. And you want to be there to give them the right advice. With me in studio, Lucas DeWitt with Proxy. I enjoyed visiting with you today. Pleasure to speak with you, Pat. You 
You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat Petucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.